This is Jay Allen Smith, and you're listening to Outdoor Adventures with Jason Sacco. Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Kill and Sticks Arrows are for the serious hunter, a company that understands the needs of the outdoorsman and provides five different styles of carbon fiber arrows, ranging from hunting to tournament arrows. If you want premium carbon fiber arrows, go to Killinsticks, K-I-L-L-N-S-T-I-X.com to review their carbon arrows. For listeners of the Outdoor Adventures with Jason show, use promo code OUTDOORS to get 10% off your first order. Kill and Sticks, where the blood trail begins. Welcome to this episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Really excited today because I've got Owen Eldred on. Owen is the sales manager for the Wildlife Gallery, one of the largest taxidermy studios in the United States. Owen, how are you doing today? Very well, sir. Thank you very much. And the neat thing is you're just not just a sales manager for the Wildlife Gallery. You're also an extremely accomplished taxidermist having spent what, 15 years or so down just on the floor doing various mounts? Yeah, it's been an interesting uh, career for sure. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time on the floor learning and trying to always improve. And tell me a little bit about your taxidermy career, because I do get folks that contact me through the show saying, how do I become a taxidermist? Do I go to a school? Do I not go to a school? And could you give a little background on some of that as to what somebody could could look at who wants to get into taxidermy? Yeah, for sure. Um, my interest peaked in it um, when I was in the fifth grade. I used to uh, watch uh, my Uncle Brad mount deer heads um, before I went to school every morning. I used to sit there and bug him and ask him questions and ask him questions. And, and then kind of after that, I didn't think much about it. You know, you move on and you want to be a policeman or a fireman or something like that. And then I had the opportunity to actually start, you know, at the very bottom level, sweeping the floor and, and uh, you know, picking things up in the studio. So most of my education, uh, the beginning of it anyways, came hands-on in the, in the shop, you know, shop taught basically. And then uh, from there, I started uh, doing competitions and, you know, getting all the trade magazines and reading up and just trying to soak up everything I could. When you start off in the shop, obviously, they're going to start you at the bottom, sweeping floors, grabbing, you know, styrofoam heads, cleaning up after them and watching. If somebody doesn't have access to that or or can't find a taxidermy studio that will let them hang out and do that, what should they look for in a school? What What's good or what's the important thing that schools should be showing a prospective student? Yeah, a school's always a great way to start. You know, just like going to school for anything, I'd I'd look for a school that had references. And it depends on what you want to do. If you're trying to focus in a certain BC or genre of taxidermy, you know, there's game head guys, life-size guys, fish guys, bird guys. But I think for, for me personally, it'd be important to take a, go to a school that um, just gives you the basics, teaches you how to do the different things. And then once you kind of pick up what your, you know, what your passion is in taxidermy, go from there and, and move on to more of a one-on-one scenario with a master in that area. So once you know fish, game heads, mm-hmm. birds, all of those, you can choose to focus on just fish or any of those and, and move on mm-hmm. to whatever area is I guess, really advantageous or of interest to you. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, you might think that you want to be a deer guy, but you realize that you that fish is the way to go. Interesting, and and I've heard before that the fish are sometimes some of the harder ones to get a grasp on. Those in birds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the bird guys. Um, for me, I'm a game head and life size guy, so I'm always impressed when I go to shows and see all the really good fish and bird guys. And because I can't do what they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, now speaking of that, so you go in and you're watching your uncle Brad, who, as many know, is yep. the guy that started and founded the Wildlife Gallery in, in Michigan. As you moved on and watched the wildlife gallery grow over the last 18 years or so that you've been there talk a little bit you've had a ability to take in a way just that you like to hunt itself and we'll talk about that in a little bit but you've had a chance to get your hands on all sorts of different animals to recreate in taxidermy stuff that you probably never would have considered from elephants down to the smallest munchaks and, and things like that what's some of the more interesting things you've gotten to work on in tenure there yeah, there's not, um, you know, back early on, you know, all that stuff was, was very, you know, new and um, exciting and you didn't see it very often. As the company grew, you know, so does your clientele and the more oddball animals that start coming in and you, you know, start seeing a lot of the Asian game with, you know, the different big sheep and, you know, rare African animals from, you know, exotic locations that you don't see a lot of. And I kind of had the benefit when I started at the at the company. We were, you know, quite small in the growing phase, and so I was used to identify a lot of dry salted skins that would come in. So kind of giving me a, a heads up for the future, if you will. I didn't work on them at that point, but but later on, I kind of knew what I was looking at. You probably then gotten to mount just about every type of sheep and wild goat that's out there. Yeah, there's there's a few that I haven't, and most of them, they just don't hunt them much anymore. They're not importable, but I have got to mount some really weird stuff over the years and different things like that. As I mentioned earlier, you're an award-winning taxidermist in your own right, so you've got a lot of experience underneath you. And many of folks that are in the taxidermy world would have seen your recent win, the world championship win with your Psyka that was also from a year before was a national champ or a national win. Uh, tell a little bit about that. Was that a deer that you harvested? Was it something that you, how did you come across that? Yeah, that one um, actually means a lot to me. Um, when my wife and I got married, we kind of saved our money to uh, do like a honeymoon down the road. And so we kind of just saved up for five years or so. And then we took a trip to New Zealand for uh, basically for our honeymoon slash vacation. And um, I was able to harvest that Sika myself on the North Island there in New Zealand. Oh, pretty neat. Was that the only animal that you hunted in in New Zealand? No, we were both able to be successful taking red stag, and my wife uh, also harvested a fallow deer while we're on the hunt. Also a very good representation of what's down there. Yeah, it was a great trip and a beautiful area. I was, I didn't, everybody always says how, you know, awesome it is down there, but going there and getting the experience, it was uh, it's quite the experience. You've got the red stags in the book, and you've got that Sika, Sika, I never say that right. Uh, <laughs> And with those championships, you're still, though, a classic Midwestern boy who likes to do those white-tailed deer. Yeah, I'll, I'll always be a deer guy at heart. They kind of, that's where my where my love always lies with your everyday whitetail. And what is it about that? Because you're not the only person that's ever said, from the hunting aspect, I, I've talked to guys that have gone all around the world, men and women, and they'll come right back and say, I like to hunt whitetail. I don't know. It's got to be a... 
I think it has a lot to do with that's what most people start off on. And, you know, it's one of the more challenging species to actually get. They're so thinking smart most of the time. And, and they're everywhere. I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. funny because where you're at, corn, soybeans, that's all the common mm-hmm. crops, which makes it huge food plots, basically, for whitetail. Yep, So. Sure. Unlike down here where I'm down in Texas at this point, you can put up a feeder and you'll draw them in with corn and stuff. They're not always going to come into that. They've got that type of food they want wherever they want. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's more, it becomes more of a, a travel corridor type of situation and, you know, hunting areas between bedding and food and trying to put yourself in the best spot at the time. Well, staying on that taxidermy theme, for the for the listeners out here who might not be familiar with the Wildlife Gallery, give a little background on what, as over the last 18 years, you've seen the Wildlife Gallery build up to and what they do and can do for people mm-hmm. if, they're, if they want to give you a call. Yeah. When I started at the shop, it was all under under one roof and one small building. There was only about eight people there at the time. So everybody kind of did everything. So it was my job when I started to scan all the animals that came in, but also to um, help pull drums. I did all the sewing in the taxidermy studio. Just basically being a, a shop rat and <laughs> and uh, where whatever you're told to do, just kind of do it and learn it and, and go from there. And then, you know, fast forward, outgrew the area. We made additions and built new buildings and parts of the company have moved to different locations to handle, to take what they need for that. You know, in the tannery, the wastewater is, is basically your your big deal. So you need to be in an area that can handle wastewater. You know, basically neutralized salt water is what it is. You can't do that out in, you know, the, the texting studios out in, you know, the rural, a very rural setting. There's nothing around us. So uh, you had to go somewhere more citified to get rid of the water. <laughs> oh, so you needed an actual plant that they would deal with. Yep. Water plant. Yep. You've got those items, and talk somebody through as they come in. They pick up the phone and they call and ask for you and say, "Hey, I've, I'm going here. I'm doing this. I've got a white tail." Yeah. So uh, a lot of my phone time is with clients that are hunting out of country. So if they know that they are going to say, "We'll just use Africa because that's the most common that comes up," they contact me. If we haven't done anything with each other before, I'll take all their information, get all the get every you know, piece of contact information I can. So we have good communication down the road. We decide together what the best option for an importer for them is. That's what it takes to bring your skins back from Africa. You need an importer on our side and an exporter on their side. Um, So we kind of work on a best option for them. And then uh, we put together a rough idea of how many animals that they're thinking they're going to harvest. And what we do is we make them some shipping tags for their hunt. So when they get there, they can just hand the tags over to the outfitter. And he can, when they harvest an animal and its skin, they can be applied directly to the animal. So there's no confusion. Um, So that's kind of our our first contact with each other. And then usually a lot of time passes. They go on their hunt. Sometimes I'll get a call that said, hey, you know, we're successful. Stuff's on the way. Other times you'll just hear from, you know, the the importer will say, hey, this this stuff for, uh, you know, John and Kathy Doe just came in and it'll be at your studio here shortly. And then as soon as it arrives here, we send them an email that says, hey, stuff is here. Let's have a talk. And we go over poses. Oh, neat. And that's when the fun starts. Yep, that's when the fun starts. That's when they, the all the waiting starts getting shorter. When you guys use an importer, where do those hides come into? Um, there's def- any port of entry for the U.S. So our our closest ports of entry that we use are Chicago and New York. We, you know, there's lots of reputable importers in both their locations. Okay, so then, that just saves the the client on shipping on to us. They come into Chicago oh. and then they're put on a truck up to you guys. Yes, sir. Yep. <laughs> 
Oh, interesting. Okay. We've got the hides that come in. We start up the process. And generally, once they get final sign-off to you about poses or life-size shoulder mounts, whatever they're looking to do, what kind of what kind of turnaround does the Wildlife Gallery have for that person? Yeah, we're always striving for a six-month turnaround here in the shop. It's important to us that everybody gets their hunting memories back as, as soon as possible. So, you know, if we if we get a lot of volume in, we do stray and, and have been out to about eight months here, just last year actually, but uh, are now caught back up and, and ready to do, you know, our six months or better. Interesting. That's phenomenal turnaround time. Thank you. You know, for anybody that wants to see the work that, that the studio does, you can go out to mm-hmm. thewildlifegallery.com. You've yep. got galleries out there. You've got videos. You'll do taxidermy work from the person that got their first buck up to many of the celebrity hunters that you see on TV. So you you cover the gamut. Nobody's more important than the next. They all mean the same to us. So you're really handling people's, um, you know, their memory of their hunt when they look at that animal. So each animal means something a little bit different to each person. It's, it's amazing. You know, like I said, whether it's just a white tail, and, and I say just because a white tail head's just as impressive to me as anything else. Mm-hmm. But when I see the work that you've done that the studio puts out, I encourage anybody listening to go out to the wildlife gallery and look at the videos tab. And yeah. go down and oh, look yeah. at the Jim Hall legacy video. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't put you in awe, nothing will. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the and the website's got a lot of good things to to look at. You can actually learn about each team member that's on our staff, the different uh, photo galleries for each you know geographical location, as well as like the videos you're talking about with Jim. You know, Jim has blessed our company immensely, and we've done been fortunate enough to do a lot of work for Jim over the years and make many additions to his trophy room. So the people that see that trophy room video, that it it didn't always look like that. I mean, it it's had you know add here add here add here and now it's something incredible to behold sure it's an amazing video if the taxidermy is not enough you guys have started doing in the last several years the indoor mountain setups that people are starting to see and and use and some amazing woodworking that i saw last year at the dallas safari club show the woodworking that you guys are churning out of the shop there if somebody wants a pedestal a desk table oh my gosh there's all sorts of stuff yeah, and the, and the woodworking kind of stemmed just out of the necessity to have pedestal bases and uh, woodwork for our life-size animals. So, you know, it kind of, that as well has grown and um, to provide, like you said, custom desks. We do a lot of inlay work in our desks. Um, we can use photos from people's hunts in their inlays. We can do quite a few things in our studio. So we, we run CNC machines and try always trying to come up with something new, too, to kind of be a special project. You have a person that does skull carving, and he's located down mm-hmm. here in Texas, and that's Nevada. Mm-hmm. You guys talk a little bit about that base and the work you did on that skull he carved last year for the sheep auction. Yeah, it was, um, it was quite a special deal there. Um, Nevada donated his time, which was immense, into carving that skull, and... Um, you know, the gallery put our little bit in with the what we did with the woodwork and everything, and it and it turned out being you know something greater than any than probably any of us could have imagined at the time. So and it ended up raising you know a lot of money for at the auction, and and it was uh, it was quite the deal. It was beautiful piece, and I think there's a video on there about it. But tell what happened at the auction with the person that bought it. 
the auction was to raise money for, for wounded veterans, and um, the actual, the gal that harvested uh, the bison is what the skull was, was a wounded vet. So the auction goes on, and the guy purchases the skull, and he donates it back to the gal for her, you know, happy birthday. And then after that, everybody made a line and just threw down $100 bills on the stage for a donation to her personally. It was incredible. That was pretty amazing Emotional when I heard experience about it. for everyone involved, yeah. So we've got amazing taxidermy work. And what if somebody says, you know, Owen, that sounds great, but you're in Michigan and I'm over here in uh, Southern Arizona. How do I, you know, not only how do I get the stuff to you, but more importantly, when it's done, how do I get it to, you know, Southern Arizona? Mm -hmm. Yeah, most of our clientele is out of state. So we come up to that a lot. You know, people see us at the show and usually the first thing they ask is, you know, where are you guys located? You know, when you hear Central Michigan, but we actually personally deliver a lot of the trophies that we do. Um, we have our own crew on the road. It's not always an option that's going to work, but it, it is a great option to have to be able to, you know, run the roads and bring people's trophies to them after the after the completion of the taxidermy. And if it can't be one where you guys do the personal delivery, then they use a standard freight company? Yeah, well... The same guys that deliver actually will crate up the animals. So these guys, these are guys that pack taxidermy every day, so they know what they're doing. And then uh, we'll ship freight. And if uh, allowable by size, we actually use UPS too. Oh, okay. There really then isn't a problem with distance anywhere. Nope. Nope, everywhere is reachable. I mean, we ship stuff all the way to Alaska and farther. And speaking of Alaska, I thought I saw that you guys have implemented a drop-off station up there for all the trophies that come mm-hmm. out of Alaska. Yeah, um, new here in the last few years is our expediting service, where hunters or outfitters or taxidermists can bring their skins to the location, and we'll actually put them. Um, if they're not prepped, we'll prep them. Um, if they are, they uh, everything can go on a container, and it actually ships direct to our tannery location here in Michigan. It just kind of saves its saves everybody a few bucks and and just provides another service sure and then you have another one of those from what i understand down here in texas Mm-hmm. Location is um they they also do the skin and prep but we actually operate a uh a skin and tan facility there for whitetails so we actually have a, a tannery there in that location oh fantastic i did not realize that so there's quite a bit of areas to get these trophies to you guys and then get them up to michigan for final prep mm-hmm. Yep, and we also have a few locations throughout the country where we um, they do truck runs and pickups from there as well to service our different zones. So the best bet is just to call you, tell you what they're up to, yep. and then you guys can work out all the logistics and details with them. Yep, and we'll figure out what the best option is. Oh, great. Yeah, there's. I, I just can't say enough about, you know, I've probably been going and looking at the Wildlife Gallery's website for six, seven, eight years now, and the website's grown and become more and more impressive. These indoor mountain setups are unreal. Yeah, that's something that's really kind of taken off for us here. Um, we've been doing them for quite a while, um, but it's just become more and more of a popular thing. People want to optimize their space in their trophy rooms or in their homes to get as many you know, a lot of people want to do with, with uh, the most with what the space they have. Um, and that just becomes a great option to uh, maximize that. Sure, very neat to be able to run mountain goats, bighorn sheep, doll sheep, any mm-hmm. of those right up the side of your walls and look like it's a natural habitat. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, and also the you know, the murals involved, you know, it, it actually gives a depth of uh, like you're off, looking off into, you know, the next range. So there's something else. 
Now, in addition to those items, let's say somebody did a safari and happened to be sitting on hides, uh, back hides, you know, things of that nature that were left over from the tanning process. They've been around for a little while. They're all in good shape. They could contact you to have gun cases, purses, rugs, all of those items created, could they? Yep. We we do have a quite a large different choices for our novelty stuff that we do. Um, and that ranges from, you know, furniture. We're using skins in footstools to making tusk bases for elephants or even um, <laughs> tail fly swatters and stuff like that. Pretty cool. It should be interesting. I personally have the hooves and four lower legs for a giraffe that I took, and mm. they're boxed up. And I talked with Dan about this last year, that when I get back up there, I'm going to bring them over and see if we can't make them into some type of a sofa table legs. Yep. That, yeah. That, there's always something cool to do with the part. You know, you want you always, when you harvest an animal, you want to use as much of it as possible. It's always nice to have options to kind of maximize that. Yeah, you bring that stuff home, and it's around, and you just kind of one day figure mm-hmm. I'll get to to it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's quite an accomplishment with the 18 years. I'm going to have show notes for this episode so that anybody that's listening that wants to contact Owen, there'll be a direct link to the Wildlife Gallery where you can see his picture as well as a, a short biography about him, as well as all the other co-workers that he's got there. Whether you're going whitetail hunting, mule deer hunting, uh, fishing, or some major safari to Africa or some exotic trip for Ibex or <laughs> sheep or whatever it might be, I've seen a lot of these guys' works at the show. Oh, gosh, you guys had a Marco Polo sheep at the show last year that was phenomenal. Mm, thank you. Contact Owen. Use these guys they're a great outfit they're in a great area that's easily accessible if you can get everything into chicago what a simple way it's just a short truck trip up from chicago to where you're at oh and you hunt you're Mm -hmm. in prime whitetail area right in that central michigan there's whitetail everywhere and Mm -hmm. you do some western hunting as well yeah actually hunt a lease with my brother and, and my dad every year um which which contains mostly mule deer so that's kind of our every year trip and, and spending time together and, and uh, recharging our batteries. And where's that located yeah, at? Yeah, that's in uh, western Nebraska, actually. Oh, okay. So we're kind of right on the zone of where the, where the whitetails and the mule deer meet. You know, I'm kind of a, I'm a, a deer fanatic, deer of all kinds. So, you know, I, I'm always looking for a, a different deer hunt to go on to, whether it be a blacktail or really wanting to chase some coos deer sometime and just get the different species and have a, a good variety of, for my own use. Yeah, that would be really cool. The I spent a lot of time when I was in Arizona down in the southern part and would see them, and I'd, I'd love to take one of them one time as well. Yeah, there's, just something, there's something about them them deer that just get me. That uh, They've always had my interest and the hold on me. Well, you got to partner up with Dan and hit uh, Africa maybe. Yeah, I've, I've been to Africa one time, but it's been a long time ago. Um, I talk about a target-rich environment. I mean, Africa has more game species probably than anywhere else. Um, so if you can't find something that you like there, then you can't find something that you like. That's a definitely a unique area to go. So, Owen, it was a pleasure. I really appreciate the time you afforded me today. And mm, it was, thank you very much. You know, it was great to catch up. I always love to spotlight, like I said, anything that's from my home state of Michigan and uh, learn about such an amazing group of talented artists that y'all got, you know, hanging out up there. You've done great work. I've seen leopards that you did for Blake Barnett, you know, these white tail bounce, the, the, you know, the stuff you guys have done for Jason Price uh, that you can see off of his experience channel. It's just some amazing animals. So I look forward to 
uh, when I get up there, coming over to visit y'all and dropping off some stuff to come up with some neat ideas. Sounds great. Yeah, we really appreciate the interest, and uh, um, we look forward to talking to everybody. Great, Ed. They'll reach out to you. Uh, I'll have phone numbers and email address in the links. And, Owen, it was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Jason. You take care. Hey, we will. Thank you. All right, sir. Come early spring, it's getting green. Fisher on the bed, and hear those turkeys gobble. It's ringing in my head. The winter rides bass boat, here comes another year. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Oh, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Come summertime, we're feeling fine, fishing on the lake. Flipping jigs and Carolina rigs. From early morning till real late. Bonfires on Creek Bank, kick back a couple beers. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Next year's does until you know winter's on the way. Brushing blinds and deer stands The fever starts to creep Fill our freezers full of ducks Lots of tender deer Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Yeah, we command the outdoors Yeah, we So grab your guns shells, boys Put on your camouflage Cause we command the outdoors around here We command the outdoors